Hi, it's Joel, and this is Rev Thinking, where I'm sharing all my secrets on how to take your motion design studio or production company to the next level. It's December 16th, 2015, and today I'm speaking with RevThink's very own Tim Thompson. Our topic is the executive producer sales process. Welcome to Rev Thinking. Your host is Joel Pilger, founder of Impossible Pictures and now consultant at Revolution Thinking. RevThink leverages years of experience and practical wisdom to help owners of top creative studios. So you don't have to choose between following your passion and running your business. Find out more at RevThink.com. Now here's your host, Joel Pilger. Sales. Ah, yes. Never a dull topic. You know, when I talk to motion design studios and production companies, everyone is interested in hearing my thoughts on sales. How do we get more sales? How do we get better clients? Looking back on my 20 years when I ran Impossible Pictures, my partner and I, we were the owners and we were the main sales guys. We were good at it. You know, we grew our firm to a little over $4 million a year and a team of 25 people. But maybe in your case, you're a creative and you cringe at the thought of sales. So you've gone out and hired a full-time salesperson or you're thinking about it. Or maybe your studio has hired a sales rep or you're thinking about hiring a rep. And that's fine too. But, you know, I think what I find curious is most people look at sales like it's a, a mystery. You know, they, they think sales, oh, it's, it's all about who you know. It's, it's about whining and dining clients. It's about being some glad-handing, back-slapping, wheeler-dealer type person. But if there's something I learned over my 20 years, it's that effective sales is really just a system. And once I started viewing sales as a process, as a routine, that was by far the biggest determiner of success. So a few weeks ago, Tim Thompson and I were in New York City having a conversation in the lobby of the Peninsula Hotel about the EP sales process when we thought, you know, this conversation might be helpful for other executive producers or companies that are thinking about hiring one. So you'll have to pardon the audio. It was recorded on my meager little iPhone. Plus, I was fighting a bit of a cold. But nonetheless, I hope you get a lot out of it. With us here today is uh, Tim Thompson, Chief Revolution Thinker. Yeah, awesome. And we're in New York City together. Exactly. Is, uh, we're at the, here at the Peninsula. We should do this more often. And I am here asking, I have a motion design studio that <clears throat> says we want to go to the next level. So part of that solution for them was, well, you're two creative guys. And you're brilliant at that. And you've achieved about a million dollars in sales doing your thing, but your heads are flying off, you're wearing every single hat there is, it's time for you to actually start taking off some of those hats mm. in order to get to the next level. One of the hats you're going to take off is sales, and the role that we think we're going to fill is this thing called an EP, okay. right? Now, fortunately, they found a candidate that's a really good producer as, as well as an EP. Yeah. So it's like, oh, great, dual threat. We're going to hire this guy so he can produce, because you need a producer. Um, but our ultimate goal is for you guys to get so busy and he's bringing in so much work that he's going to be purely a sales EP and we'll go hire a producer. Yeah. So we'll split him into two on the way to two million. Yeah. That's, right. our, that's our goal. So we found that guy. Just struck a deal with him, shook hands, we're ready to go. So now I want to teach him that sales is not a hope. <laughs> yeah. Sales is not a wish. Sales is a system. Let's just assume he knows nothing, even though he's a really smart guy. 
So where do we start with? Where do we start? Right, right. Like here's here's how you approach the whole thing. And if you're gonna put it, if we're gonna put in a sales system, here are the three or four or five sort of main pillars of that kind of a system. So to begin with, like in choosing the EP position, I'm just gonna make a couple assumptions. But basically, when you're building a house, you don't hire three um, plumbers. Right. You you start splitting up the jobs and hire a carpenter, a plumber, whatever that would be, right? So that you can build the house in completion. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna assume that the two owners don't have the EP or production skills as part of them. They had to outsource or find a third body correct. to do that. Well. Correct. They do it they do it okay. Yeah. But it's not their unique gift. It's so not their, it's not their genius. So so very smart move. To kind of, and obviously, I think the creative and EP combo is in almost every company. Mm-hmm. So working out the relationship is always key. Mm-hmm. It's most people do it because they've seen other people do it, and that's why they're making those decisions. Right. And there's good and bad things that come with that. So I'll just say real quickly that the the struggle with hiring a producer-based person to run your company is business management is not project management. And a lot of people mess those two up. So podcast they, number six, we can deal with what that right, issue they, is. There's like the commingling of, oh, I, 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 we do projects, so therefore yeah. our business is just a project. And it's like, well, no. Yeah, the confusion would be is all my projects make profit. Isn't my business profitable too? And you go, no. Like a project profit is a totally different accumulation of ideas. But keeping cash flow coming in and out is uh, as a bigger issue. Like there's business operations and procedures as part of that as well and then so stretching on from that it's also true about sales Um, sales is a process and procedure that's unique from a project procedure and process right Um, what i love about working with a a former producer a producer person working into an ep is that they're used to working through some kind of system in the budgeting and the scheduling and the management so it you're working with somebody that can e- you can easily create a translation for them right. of what the scorecard looked like on a project. Let's create something like a scorecard that works in sales so that there's something familiar about it. Also, sales is a big confidence game. It's, it's a huge confidence game. So someone that can walk into a sales conversation, you're basically telling your client, you have a problem we can solve. And when the person has walked through many of those on the producer side, they more easily can tell that client, I can solve that problem. I've done it a hundred times. Yeah. So that is such a great thing. And to have a third body, not an owner and a creative person, be able to say, we rock. We're really good at that, whatever. Because this guy I partnered with or this guy that's the owner is the phenomenon you're looking for. To have that outer body right. that says that instead of the person has to say it themselves. Yeah, yeah. So you probably knew that when you transitioned your company and started saying, oh, I'm going to point to my own creatives and say, like, I've hired this person for that. It's a different conversation. Look at me. Hire me to do it. No, it's an interesting side note because there was actually, I remember a period of time in my studio when we, as a team, recognized your job in the room is to preach how great I am. And I do the same to you because that dynamic of playing off each other is very effective. That's right. Because you right. can't you can't say you can't walk into a room and try and close a deal by saying I'm amazing, I'm great. You need to hand hand me the project. That's right. It doesn't work. But somebody else in the room says that guy's amazing, that guy's great. You should hand him the project. 
it, it changes everything, it changes right? Everything. The conversation yeah. is great. Right. So all this, those are great. This moves. is why we decouple the sales <laughs> role from the running the business or the creative role. That's right. Yeah. So you're, you've made this decision with your client just based off of experience. But as we pull it apart to recognize why we made the decisions and what to do, when you're saying how do you train the person, how do you how do you transition that person into the next stage, you just have to know why you brought them on so you're working with the right foundation. So the EP job technically, or, or not technically, but um, methodically is one that has a leadership role. What you, what you want to do is give that person all the leverage they need to and all the permission they need to to get in and say anything they want to in any way so that you can get that position. But let's talk about technique for a second. So my big saying is technology follows technique. Um, and I don't mind that there's Salesforce and all those kind of systems out there. But to think that that software is going to solve your problems isn't true. Technology helps you get there faster, but you have to be going the right direction to begin with. So I always think in basic grids, I go back to the scorecard. What does that scorecard look like? How, how do we get there? And again, like you're trying to find a common language between the owners, maybe a business manager, what we often do for companies, and your sales right. EP position to understand where are we, how are we functioning, is there any outward signs of something that needs to change or we can reposition, and then direction. How well, it's interesting you talk about a common language because ultimately you're trying to decouple <clears throat> so that you have an expert in each role. Mm-hmm. But in order to do that, you guys have to, you have to be able to communicate and be aligned. That's right. So you have to agree on what's a, what's a prospect, what's yeah. a lead, what's, what are the different stages we're trying to move people through. So all that yeah. is part of well, that. Well, I had this conversation yesterday about how with a creative director about how when he feels like there's a big win, his production team doesn't support him. That was the, the hmm. overall thought. And I was trying to convince him that, trying to convince him, I, I was working hard. <laughs> I was um, trying to present the idea of th- it's different filters. The creative filter of what something feels good and a production filter what feels good, are they, they're totally different filters. Actually, they're often in opposition. They, of course, because when someone says, it's amazing, I just won this gigantic project, producers think, I have a lot of work to do. Yeah. So you don't get the same hurrah. I mean, everyone's happy we have it, but the workload now is on a different team. It's very similar to a pitch. It's the opposite. A producer can go like, we had this amazing pitch. And the creative's like, oh, now I have to win this on my merits and my creativity. Right. So, or suffer with the pain of the that, loss. That's right. <laughs> Every total rejection. So that, that yin and yang, that thing that pulls on each other, is a reality to every system. And that's the common language. Like, how do we have a balance of, of communication between us to know, hey, this also means this. And that yin and yang flow together. So the, the way I like to kind of work through training an EP or, or working worth an EP is to say, how are we going to talk to each other? Even a sales rep, you know, a, a good sales rep would be willing to listen to their client and say, well, how are we going to best communicate with each other? Sales reps might have one scorecard and their client doesn't understand it. Well, then what good is it? Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. It just doesn't. So you have to create a common scorecard that makes sense. Right. So use any kind of basic foundation. Do something that's easy to count. Don't make things too complicated. So it can be total dollar amount, total client amount. When I'm starting out from the very beginning, I don't have a dollar conversation. Right. It feels like it's based on too much value of the dollar. Uh, when I first start somebody off, I said, like, find me five leads a week. 
I don't care what the price of the project is. I don't care. It's really this thought of it's going to take some efforts to go get those five leads. Go and, do it. And, to, and just so we define our terms, lead could mean a, a, it could be a person that works at a company. It could be a company that's a potential client. It could be an actual project. It could be right? any it of It could those. be any of these. Like, like pick, pick whatever your, whatever, whatever that label means to you. Yeah. Pick. That's right. And start moving forward. Yeah, it's exactly right. In, in a way, like, you, get a, you could even define it as you go along. The most right. important part of that kind of lead thing is that it's anything that converts to a dollar eventually. Right. That's all. Right. So I can meet the head of some agency, and that could be 20 projects. It's one lead. Right. It converts to a dollar. Or I heard about this project and this project and this project. Okay, great. It, you're just, and to you some just, degree, you you'll, you'll learn what lead means as you do right. it. Right, and you can evolve it. Yeah. The, the key to it is also five unique leads. Mm. So as you're defining it, you could start defining it there. In a management role, right. if you're hiring somebody, what you want to do is make sure they're not repeating the same lead week by week. So it's right. really two unique leads a week and three that they're repeated. Sure. You start, it's the ability to challenge. And this is where I've seen it work the best is that, you know, you have your three leads and it's Thursday. And you recognize there's three and there's two days left and two more to go. Something just kicks in to find those two leads before Friday's up. It right. just it just happens. And and it's a funny human thing that we can do, but it's how we actually work. So you might as well take build a system, it. take advantage of it. Right. So, right. and again, on a management side, leadership side, you don't punish somebody for not getting five leads. And honestly, you don't reward them for having seven. Right. You just know, cool, it's to recognize the pattern we can make together. That's what the lead scorecard is. It's where are things going? How do we get there? And to find those issues we might need to correct to meet whatever goal we start making up. So just to rewind, because I've, hear, I've heard you say this a bunch of times, that <clears throat> the goal of a sales system is that by just putting routines and habits in place is over the long run much more effective so much more. than just, oh, I, I found that one dream client or I'm chasing that one amazing deal and you get sidetracked. That's right. Whereas if you were just you know, practicing those fundamentals of blocking and tackling week in, week out, week yeah. in, week out, over the course of a year, it makes a much bigger difference than, oh, I got that one, I got that one deal, yay. Yeah. Right? Instead, so it's true. like, oh, I, I got the 50 deals that if I hadn't been so systematic would have not come up on my radar. That's right. And and so that's where I say like, that's why project management and business management are so different because you, in a project, you are going for one big finish line all the time. Right. So that would look like, oh, I have... I have to hit a home run. Right, I have IBM and it's a million dollar job. I'm going to work six months trying to get one million dollars from one client. That's six months worth of work. What could you have accomplished in that same six months worrying about 20,000, 30,000, 40,000 dollar jobs? Right. And then you start learning to do both at the same time. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do these jobs and these jobs. And that scorecard allows you to see it. Right. Because cash flow is going to matter. And eventually in your system, you're going to start recognizing what that conversion is like having these leads turn into dollars. Mm-hmm. From a business management, then you have a, an ability to give input. Hey, I need, I need you to get seven leads before December is up. I need you to go get, uh, you know, and then after time I start converting to like, I need $500,000 before December is up. Can you give me $500,000 in leads, not projects, in leads, because I can do the conversion to that's 150 grand. That's why I need to get, make it through January. Mm -hmm. All is good. So in terms of 
when um, what's the what's the general formula formula that you see when you know if I have fifty leads, that's going to turn into how many actual conversations we're talking about a real project that then actually convert. What what are those general ratios that you? I mean, very generally speaking, very generally, ha- half is the easiest to convert. Okay. So. If you can find anybody near 50%, it's so easy to do the math and you just go with it. Mm -hmm. Hopefully, 50% is conservative. So if you go with 50%, you always win 52 or 55% Mm -hmm. and you're always making money. Mm -hmm. If it's, you know, if you earn, if you, for every lead you get, you get 25, 25% is the job or something that's easy to do math on the conservative side. Right. So I would divide anything by, by half, by quarters or by fifths or anything I would do. Right. Um, so that may be in layman's term is if you had 100 leads and I was dividing it by fifths, I would know I'm going to win 20 projects of those. Got it, yep. And it's really funny because there's two things you have to look at and when you analyze actual projects is you can have number of projects. So I have a client that we win 40% of the leads that we get, but we win 52% of the dollar amount oh. of those leads. <clears throat> so to some degree, when I look at the, the scorecard, I use 50% knowing that half of the, whatever the total money is, half that money is going to come in even if it's not the half the projects that come in. Right. right. And that's because the jobs we win are the higher jobs and we don't necessarily win all the lower dollar right. jobs. Right. Which is a rather enviable position to be in. Yeah. Like that, would, that should sort of be everybody's goal is let's maybe not win as many jobs. And you think, wait, yeah. why would we not want to win as many jobs? Because you're winning the bigger and better ones. Yeah. I, I would... I would probably say that's true for most people, mm-hmm. that they're winning jobs of a higher value than they think. If you, they just looked at it, they just did the math, and mm-hmm. it's not very hard math to do. Interesting. It's going to take an hour, hour and a half to probably figure it out, but to know what that is. Right. And you can truly, in your Google Doc sheet, put the formula in there to multiply times five or divide it by five. Right. Uh, I mean, or you can just do it in your head if you're capable of doing it. It's just... What I, what I want to do is over a few months, two, three, four, five months, create enough of a system that in three to five minutes, I can look at all the details, easily translate that, project out what that means to me in the future or means to the company in the future and what decisions I would make today based on what I would project for tomorrow. Because yeah. you're reading tea leaves, right? That's what the whole system is about. Right. So it well, also I- allows this, the person doing it because it's, it's a hard job on the sales side. It's a very hard job. They're in the middle of business needs, creative needs, and profit needs on production because not all of them are always true on all, every project. And they have to help make those decisions and find those leads. You want that person to not fall apart. Yep. And they have to have a win every day or a win every week or a win every quarter, all constantly doing it. So again, as management, your job is to not have that person fail and have it succeed. You have to give them the materials they need. You have to win the projects in the pitch. Yeah. It's not their fault if you can't follow through creatively. Right, if you can't close it. Yeah. So all you have to be truthful with yourself as you do it, and that's what you're looking for in these quote-unquote scorecards mm-hmm. that does that. So, so in terms of the day-to-day, yeah. so if an EP is implementing a scorecard, the basic routine is one of I'm out mining and finding leads, yeah. and then I'm moving people through this process which, you know, I call it the, you know, moving somebody who's aware to interest to intent, and then you bring in your 
principal, your creative, your whatever to close. Perfect. Right. Yep. But it's it's somehow creating that in a creating a using some sort of tool, and we all agree on the the language. Yep. So that your 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 creative people, your salespeople, your people running the business can all agree on this is what we call it. This is where we're at. This is how many people we have in this stage, in this stage, in this stage. And that, of course, just gives you information, like you said, to make decisions. Yeah. And, and, the, and if you've never done it before, I know what I'm saying sounds abstract. This is why people call us and we just do this part for free. Because it's the simple idea of like building a sh- to listen to what they need and build them a sheet based on their needs. It's so easy for us. Mm-hmm. And it really gets them started on a, on a right path so that when they would need us, our, our firm's work in the future... We've already set something up, right. so that's the, that's such an easy thing for us to do because we've done it so many times, or we just pull something off the shelf if necessary. Right. Um, that process of moving someone down the pipeline is exactly what you want to do. How do we know how that works mm-hmm. and where that comes from? So I'm keep using a term scorecard. If you're looking at a piece of software, I'm, I'd say like pipe drive. I just love it. It's very basic, really simple. Put the information in for each client, move them down. Mm-hmm. Um, the software doesn't solve the problem. You have to have the routine built into you. So routines that I believe in are daily routines, weekly routines, monthly routines, and quarterly routines. And what I mean by that is every day you have to make 10 phone calls. Mm. Every week you have to have five leads. Every month we have to have $150,000. Every quarter we need to be... You know, towards our annual, some a step towards our annual budget, right? And all that in a business management, the reason you do that is to figure out: Do I need to make any adjustments to my financial and business expectations so I'm not spending money I'm not earning? Right. Because I don't want to go under as a business. I just need some honest feedback, good or bad. Yeah. Tell me the truth, doctor. Am I going to die or not? Should I stop smoking or not? Should I need well, drugs? And let it know what's happened. It's interesting because this rolls up into this is almost like a whole other topic, right? For another for another day, but the role of projections, yeah, you know, because I always hear business owners talk about, um, like they don't, they hate the word budgets because it sounds yeah. so limiting, right? Right. And so we say, well, let's just call it projections. projections. We're going to do projections. That's right? what it really is. Yeah. And they, but they still kind of say, but you don't understand. My business is so up and down. It's not. It's not. It's cyclical. It's seasonal. It's not. It is. It's all over the place. Yeah. What, I can't do, we can't make projections. And I'm like, wait, I was just telling Nate the other day, one of our new clients, wait, just because you don't know everything doesn't mean you don't know nothing. Yeah. Right? So if we just create projections, all it does is give us some sense of where are we heading? Yeah. How are we doing? And then when you have something like your, your sales scorecard, you can look at that anytime against your projections and just say, do we think this is reasonable, this yeah. is realistic, or not, and then what do we do with that? What, do we, right. what do we want to do? So you don't, you don't find yourself six months in the hole saying, gosh, I should have laid off several people. That's right. I mean, a boat on the water is always going up and down, up and down, right? You, it's, it's hard to like, well, what's a flat line? Well, it never exists on a boat, but it's, you know what it is, so when you know you're up and down. And just because your boat goes up and down doesn't mean you don't look at the weather. Right. to see if a gigantic storm is coming, right. you still project out a possibility, a possibility. of something greater happening yep. that would cause harm to your boat so you get, yep. to, sh- get to shore. Well, that's, that's, very good, that's very good my, 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 uh, one of my favorite quotes is the old Eisenhower quote of a plan is worthless, but planning is everything. That's right. right? <laughs> that's exactly right. The, the planning is just what gives you the mental framework to be able to think ahead and sort of anticipate, have a sense... Yeah, just a sense is, is more so much more valuable than, than, than just winging it. 
then you're making decisions proactively because yeah. you have a sense of what's coming. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly right. Yeah. So that's why I use the term projections. Like, where do we project we want to be? Did we? Are we there or not? Are we above? Cool. We could, there's other things we can do. Are we not? There's things that we need to we could possibly adjust. Right. Are One we of them below? might be our expenses. Adjust our expenses. Adjust right. our our technique. What, do, you have to. That's the job of running a business. Is yeah. to be doing that. Yeah. Yeah. So the. The ability to create a system, a routine, just allows for some kind of normal heartbeat. So when it goes up, you can see it. When it goes down, you can see it. That's the purpose of routine. Right. And that's what the scorecard really does. It's the constant data feed mm-hmm. that you get a sense, that you get a, an ability to make decisions and to project out further and further. If I can see six weeks out, eight weeks out, I'm way better off if I can see six or seven days out. And that's what you're trying to build into. So that's across the board what we do. And then with goals in mind or steps in mind, that person doing the daily job knows they hit that routine and they can do it. Right. And any good sales rep would be doing this too. Yeah. Some of the issue is sales reps purposely hold back negative because they're... bad news? Yeah, they're bad news because they are afraid they're going to lose their position. An in-house person feels like they're more the team and they can give you the bad news. I say... No matter who the person is, you give them confidence they're not going to lose the job if they tell you the truth. Right. And you, as the owner, have to be willing to, to back them up and make the changes necessary to make mm-hmm. it happen. You're doing it together. Mm-hmm. You don't just pay somebody to do it and you close your eyes and walk away. Sorry. So here's a question. When, when, you, when, <clears throat> when we see um, salespeople or EPs put a routine like this into place, what are the sort of strategic byproducts? Like when you... When this system goes into place after a year or two or three, like one thing I would argue is that that person driving that sales process, they may have been doing it intuitively for years. Yeah. And they kind of didn't really know. All they know is I can go out and talk to people and get projects. Right. Right? That's not a system. No. Right? No. But it, it does work for some firms, right? But when you implement a system, my, what I believe is, the salesperson starts to understand, oh, this is what actually works. This is what actually doesn't work. Like they actually start to be able to quantify and measure, and that gives you the power. You know, information leads, gives you choices. That's right. And once you have choices, you can say, now that I know that what works, I'm going to put more effort and energy on what works and less on what doesn't. That's right. So it, it leads to focus. It leads to bigger results. It also yeah. lets you say, we want to pursue more of this kind of work or in this space or these kinds of clients or these dollar projects or these whatever. Yeah. Yeah, there's an online business that I work with, and we use Google Analytics all the time. So we're constantly looking at this feed. You can see who's on your website at that moment. You can see who's been on the website for the last 30 days. You can see who your customer base is and what they're doing. This last Christmas completely surprised us because we started doing Facebook ads instead of just Google ads. And all of a sudden, 30% was the the lowest part, 65% the highest part of mobile users on our site. We had no mobile website. It was a horrible mobile experience, and now we've pushed people into an experience they didn't have. Thank goodness we had Google Analytics. We cranked out a mobile site in three to four days, and we got our sales back up to where it was supposed to be because we were able to react to them. Well, look, in motion design, we don't have Google Analytics, but there are some kind of routine that lets you see something so you know what's going on to make those same adjustments. That's kind of the idea. Right. And it's not, it is not a, a system to verify someone's doing their job. Because they could, it's a relational-based idea. It's just give me any data so I can have a sense of what else is coming. 
so we can make adjustments together. It's communication, yeah. basic forms of communication. So that's why I'm not a big use this software because software doesn't guarantee communication. Right. Communication is we, we created a common language. We know how to read it. We can do it together. If it's a Google Doc, Salesforce, Pipedrive, Slack, I don't know, an email sure. chain back and forth, I don't care. Even if it's it just a big spreadsheet. Yeah. Thanks for listening to Rev Thinking. For more insights on running your creative studio or to ask us a question, visit RevThink.com. We'd love to hear from you. I want to tell you about a place to connect that you might not know about. It's our online community called Rev Community. It's a great place to get to know other creative business owners like yourself, to share some thought leadership and read other encouragement, to be challenged in this new marketplace, new technology, ideas, economic trends, and it's a place to research. Check out many of the resources we have online, our videos, and of course, this podcast. Join us today at revthink.com slash community. If you're a creative studio owner, feel free to join us today at revthink.com slash community. I look forward to seeing you there.